0: Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted, is God with us. A good good little thing that I learned years ago, Bethlehem was God with us. Calvary is God for us. Pentecost is God in us. That's the sum for free there. 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Father, would you add your blessing to your word, as you always do? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you help me to rightly divide this and to preach it in the way that most pleases you? I know some of the needs that are represented here today, but I don't know them like you know them. I pray that you'd meet everyone. If there's somebody here that needs to be saved, I pray they trust Christ. I pray that Christians would glean from this message exactly what they need to be more like Jesus. But more than anything, may the lovely Lord Jesus be made much of in this place. Forgive me where I fail you, and it is often, and it is rancid, and it is unacceptable. Best I know, I'm right with you in this moment. But if there's something in my life that I've just not even paid attention to, if you'll make it clear to me, I'll endeavor to make it right with you because I want to be used by you. So may Christ be glorified in our time together. In Jesus' name we ask these things, amen. It's an amazing thing that we were able to procure a picture of Joseph, given there were no, there was no photography back then. But that's somebody that just kind of represents him. I like Joseph. Joseph is a fascinating personality to me. The Bible tells us very little. But I wanted to give you some thoughts. If you were walking down a street with Joseph in Nazareth, he could rightly say, you know, I'm more qualified to be king than Herod is. Now, the truth is, any Jew was more qualified to be king than Herod was because he was an Edomite. He wasn't qualified to be king. Rome put him in there. But the fact is that according according to Matthew 1, verses 1 through 16, Joseph was a direct descendant of David through Solomon. Infinitely more entitled to the throne than was Herod. And were it not for Jeconiah's curse, perhaps he would have been on the throne. He was poor and lived in poverty, but he was a recognized artisan, those of you that either by trade for your living or, or as a hobby or whatever, you know what it is to work with your hands and to enjoy taking something and making it from one form to another. Well, Joseph did that. And I think that Joseph had a reputation that preceded him. Matthew 13, 30 years after this, Jesus uh, is, is speaking and, and they recognize him as being Joseph, the carpenter's son. He was known for his, his talent. And Joseph, I think this is safe to say, was betrothed to the absolute finest girl in Nazareth. I mean, she was, and and there was a couple of ways this could have happened. It could have been this was a contract that was set up by their respective parents when they were still babies, or it could be that Joseph saw her and said, Dad, can you work on a contract? I like her. And obviously, from what we know from Mary in the Bible, Mary was a young lady of character and was desirable in every way. And so Joseph has that to look forward to. Not for nothing, Mary was also a descendant of David through her father. And through her mother, she, was, she had Levite. Go figure. So here's Joseph. A prosperous well not prosperous financially but you know he's, he's he's doing good he's doing good for himself and now he's got a, a wife that's been betrothed to them now understand this is not like engagement today today you could break off an engagement with relatively little problem but but in those days and under the jewish law if you were betrothed contractually you were as good as married, married and the only way you could get out of it was by a divorce even if it hadn't been consummated yet and this was a year-long process usually this betrothal but he's betrothed the mary she's He's the greatest girl in the world, and, you know, man, he's excited. Life is looking good. And then he sees Mary one day, and something is different. It's not that she's mad. It's not that she's in a bad mood. It's it's not that he's forgotten something. Just something's different. He doesn't know what's happened. Mary says, Joseph, I need to talk to you. I'm about to go see Elizabeth down in Judea. I'm going to be gone for a while, and when I come back, you're going to notice something different about me. Joseph, I'm with child. Now, my sanctified imagination tells me that Joseph's first thought probably was, who hurt you? Who did this to you? Because Mary would have never strayed on him like this, and I'm sure anger just rose up in Joseph, who is he? I'll kill him no joseph i wasn't I wasn't hurt, I wasn't attacked, and then the anger gives way to shock and sorrow because that only leaves one alternative no Mary. No. Mary, I've been good to you. I've been faithful to you. I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've tried to be the man I was supposed to be. Joseph, listen. This is going to be hard for you to believe and comprehend. But I've not been with a man. The baby that I carry in me is the Son of God. Now, I've got to go be with Elizabeth, and I'm going to trust God to help you with this. So she leaves. Can you imagine what those months were like for Joseph? The closest thing I can come to it, and I hate to tell this story in front of my wife, but my first year in college, there was a girl that we were kind of interested in each other. I've since found that she pales in comparison to where God actually put me. But we kind of liked each other. And graduation day, I got the old, it's not you, it's me. And then she left. And I was left on what's called a post term. That's four weeks of school where nobody's there but you and your teacher. Man, that was rough. I got over it, but that was rough. Here I am alone, dealing with this heartbreak. Here's Joseph for months, has to deal with not just the heartbreak, but what do I do about this? Because he had a legal obligation. His world is shattered. And Mary has left him to process this revelation. But when we look at Joseph and we look at his response, it teaches us a whole lot about where we as Christians ought to be just in general. And so if we were to title this this morning, it'd be this question. Would you be like Joseph? Would you be like Joseph, number one? Would you be like Joseph in your contemplation? In your contemplation. Look at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? In verse number 18, it gives us no instruction concerning the interaction, how she told him, how she broke the news to him. It just matter of factly says, they were espoused and she was with child. And really, that's all that Joseph had to work with too. We're espoused and you're with child. Now, how many of us, and I certainly look at myself on this, how many of us would have reacted immediately? What? I mean, just loaded for bear. I would have. But instead, he was deliberate. He took his time. He was searching for God in all of this. He contemplated this situation. And I am sure that Joseph, in his mind, went through some what we would call mitigating factors. But Mary's character has been sterling up to this point. This is completely out of character. There's got to be an explanation here. Oh, here's another one. If Mary has done wrong, why would she go see Elizabeth? Because Elizabeth's husband's a priest, and he is duty-bound to report her if she is found to be with child outside of marriage? Why would she go there? Worse yet, here's another mitigating factor. Here in Nazareth, you can kind of get by with this thing, but when you go to Jerusalem, you've got the Sanhedrin right there. You've got the leadership right there. If they find a woman who's pregnant with no husband, they'll stone her on the spot. Why would she go there if this isn't what she said it was? He contemplated. Christian, can I tell you something? It's true of you because it's true of me, and we're made of the same stuff. Where would we be if we just learned instead of just go off half-cocked about things, if we actually stopped and did some sanctified thinking every once in a while? Yeah. Right. Would you be like Joseph in his contemplation? We should all be careful, like Joseph, to respond insightfully instead of reacting intemperately. Because he could have called her all kinds of names. He could have ended that thing right there. But he didn't react, he responded. Would you be like Joseph in his contemplation? Number two, would you be like Joseph in his compassion? Short of a divine revelation, here's what Joseph has to go with Mary's pregnant, and I'm not the dad. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a saved man, a righteous man, but also a prudent man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. It is understandable that Joseph would find Mary's explanation hard to believe. Without this story of 2,000 years ago, how many of us would believe it? It's completely reasonable that Joseph would not believe this. Now, one wonders if Isaiah's prophecy doesn't come into his mind. Certainly he was familiar with it. As such... He'd be tempted to respond, as most men of that day would. An angry desire for retribution. I'm going to tell you something. You broke my heart. You've ruined my life. I've got to divorce you, which, which limits my ability to do something in the future. You've messed my life up. Or an application of the law. The most stringent aspect of this, marry under the law without divine intervention could be stoned to death, and he could preside over it. But instead, compassion wins, and he would opt to put her away privily. Did three things. It spared her life. It shielded her from more intense scrutiny, but I'll tell you what else it did. It opened him up to criticism. Because if a man is betrothed to a woman, and she turns up pregnant, and he doesn't follow the law, the first thing people say is, That's his baby. Joseph did wrong, and he's prepared to take that on himself for her sake. That's love, y'all. That's compassion. You know, sin is sin. Sin needs to be dealt with. On two occasions in my my life as a pastor, I've had to do what's called church discipline, and I didn't enjoy not a second of it. I hate it. But the Bible does prescribe it in certain situations. Um, And we all understand that God is holy and sin needs to be dealt with. But we better be very, very careful in how we apply that. We better be very careful that we don't cross the line into judgmental, pharisaical Religi- re- religious piety. It's never wrong to show compassion. So, what preacher? What what do we do if some sexual deviant walks into this church? As long as they're here to hear the word of God, you love them. You give them the gospel. Tell them how to be saved. <laughs> fellow that's been on drugs all his life. He's coming to church to praise the Lord. That, that lady over there, she smells bad. She ain't had a, praise the Lord. Where's our compassion? Joseph had rights, and he opted for compassion. It's interesting to me, Joseph's response would be summarized by his foster son some 30 years later. Therefore, all things, Whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You treat them the way you'd want to be treated. We should all be careful like Joseph to respond insightfully and not react intemperately in the matter of our contemplation. We should all be like Joseph in responding with compassion whenever possible. Number three, would you be like Joseph in his courage. Sometimes we don't think of this, but look at verse 20. After calling Joseph by name, what's the first two words that the angel, presumably Gabriel, says to him? Joseph, the son of David, fear not. Have you ever contemplated that? That in the midst of all that was going on in Joseph's heart and mind, he was also afraid. He was afraid. Fear not. Fear not to what? Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So Joseph there is in a dream. God speaks to him through the angel. Take Mary. Don't be afraid. Take her. That which you conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. Mary's telling you the truth. Can I remind you of something? Doing the right thing can be scary. I hope you would agree that when we came here almost 12 years ago, that that was the right thing. If you don't believe that's the right thing, you've had 12 years to say so. Can I tell you something? It was scary. Because we had a familiar life. And yeah, you meet people when you come and candidate a church, but I didn't know what kind of people y'all were. Truth is, you didn't know what kind of people I am either. Hopefully, hopefully you're not disappointed. I'm not. It's scary. It's scary when God says, this job is no longer part of my will for you. It's scary when God says, this friendship is no longer helping you to be what you ought to be for Jesus. It's scary when God says, I want you to stretch your faith in the matter of your giving. It's scary when God says, I want you to talk to that that fellow about salvation. He needs to hear the gospel. It's scary doing the right thing sometimes, isn't it? Hey, Joseph you may face some scrutiny. You take Mary, you may lose your family or friends. You may be mocked. You may be lied about. You may be wrongly accused. You may suffer loss of income. There may be people unwilling to use your services anymore. You may have damage to your financial status. All these things could happen, Joseph, but fear not. (laughs) Many never take their greatest steps for the Lord because they're just afraid. They're just afraid it's interesting there may have been some people in nazareth well i'm not giving joseph any of my business that that guy did wrong with mary and now he expects me to come use him there's other carpenters around it's interesting god took care of that financial need didn't he some fellas showed up at their house in bethlehem and said hey we brought some gold and some frankincense and some myrrh he had enough money to go in egypt for a while and then get set up back home. Trusting Jesus is relatively easy in the matter of your salvation, but following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. What's been easy for me? Then you're not doing it right. Listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Luke nine twenty three said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke fourteen twenty six If any man would come to me, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus saying? To be saved, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, but to be a consistent daily follower of Jesus Christ, that requires more. That requires a measure of courage. That requires a willingness to let go of anyone and anything that would keep you from being what Jesus wants you to be. And that can be scary. We should all be like Joseph in having the courage to follow God's will no matter the cost. Number four. Would you be like Joseph in the matter of your contemplation, your compassion, your courage, your contrition? This can slip past us if we're not careful. Look at verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Which, by the way, means Jehovah is salvation. That's what Jesus means. The modern name Joshua is the same name, Joshua. She shall bring forth a son, that shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In tasking Joseph with naming his son, God's son, God underscores Joseph's spiritual standing. You could put it this way. Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus, Yeshua. For he shall save his people, that includes you, Joseph, from your sins. Jesus isn't coming to save those people over there, Joseph. He's not coming to save these people over here. He's coming, Joseph, to save you. Your sins. And Joseph's response, interestingly enough, is very much the same as his betrothed wife. What did Mary say? She voiced the same understanding, didn't she? Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. My Savior. Meaning, I need a Savior. This idea that Mary was born without the stain of original sin is not scriptural. She was a sinner just like everybody else that needed a Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. When you come face to face with the reality of, our, of your sinful condition in light of Christ, what is your response? Do you try to explain it away? Do you try to make, yeah, it's not a big deal? Or is there real contrition? We should all be like Joseph in recognizing our sinful state apart from the Savior. So, would you be like Joseph in the matter of your contemplation, in the matter of your compassion, in the matter of your courage, in the matter of your contrition, and then finally, in the matter of your character? Verse 21, I'm 24 rather. Lord, as I cover this last point, would you help me to do so in the most delicate and elegant way possible? In Jesus' name, amen. Then Joseph, verse 24, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph has now transitioned. They have moved from just being betrothed to being husband and wife. Otherwise, she wouldn't need to go with him to Bethlehem to be taxed. Now, it does still refer to him as, refer to her rather, as his espoused wife in Luke, and we understand that, but that's just part of the whole narrative. They're now husband and wife. I don't know how much Joseph understood about the prophecies and the importance of the virgin birth and everything that entails. I, don't, I can't say how much Joseph understood that. Here's what I do know. In that culture, women were by most men viewed as objects. And so when you marry a woman, you expect to be entitled to everything that comes with that. And you are, in your mind, legally and morally, right to do so. But the Bible says that even after they were fully married, Joseph kept his distance. It says he knew not his wife. The romantic love that is present within a marriage is a wonderful, godly thing. And it's completely acceptable that couples look forward to that. But Joseph said no. Why? Once again, I don't know what he understood about prophecy. I don't know what he understood about the importance of the virgin birth. Remember, it's not the virgin conception. The Bible never says that. She she did conceive as a virgin, but the Bible over and again says the virgin birth. Why was it necessary? Well, one reason would be there can be no way that anybody could say that Joseph had anything to do with any of that. Joseph has to keep his distance to make it clear that he had nothing to do with any of that. Jesus was in no part genetically Joseph's son. Jesus had no earthly father. He had a, he had a foster father in Joseph, but his father was and is the heavenly father. But here's what I think may have been going on in Joseph's head. In a time and culture where women were seen as objects to most men, Joseph made no attempt to embrace a normal marital relationship until after Jesus was born. And the reason I believe it is, is because Joseph recognized the holiness of Mary's situation. And that when something is that holy, you are willing to set aside that which is humanly allowable for that which is spiritually superior. See, once again, Lord, help me to be elegant. I think Joseph completely kept his distance. Because we teach these young people in the school and in the youth group, you better be careful that you don't kindle fires that that run wild on you. It does matter how, you're, how you behave when you're dating. It does matter because what you can do is you can get something started, and before long, it's out of your control. And I think Joseph, being a normal man with a desirable wife, said, Honey, I love you. I'll be over here. Why, Joseph? Because you're carrying my Savior. You're carrying holiness incarnate. And I'll not come anywhere near to possibly sullying that holy state. I am willing to lay aside that which people would consider physically and morally allowable for that which is spiritually superior. That's character. Paul said this, he said, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but all things edify not. Joseph surrendered his personal needs or desires to a higher standard of holiness. Now, Christian, let me ask you something. Would you be like Joseph in the matter of your character, that you are willing to set aside things that may not be wrong to get God's best? Anybody can say good versus bad. Everybody should be doing that. But Christians that move forward for God and do great things for God, they decide, no, I'm not satisfied with good. I want what's best. The great athletes over the years, they don't get great by living according to what they can do versus what they can't do. They get great by laying aside allowable things For the best things, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Weight. And the sin which does so easily possess. Weight isn't sin. Weight is something that keeps you from running your best. What's in your life that maybe is okay, but it's keeping you from being God's best? Can I tell you what it is for me? I have had to virtually eliminate. I've had to virtually eliminate television. Preacher, are you watching ungodly things? No. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a TV. i got four of them. But if I find myself spending time watching good things instead of pursuing the best things, guess what I've done? And that's a flaw. And my character. Are you saying I can't go home and watch the ball game? Well, if you're talking about the commanders, whoever they are, versus the giants, I don't care if you do that. But if you haven't read your Bible all day, guess what? Which is better, the word of God or the commanders? That's an easy one. See, Christians, listen, if we're going to individually be what we ought to be, if as a church we're going to be what we ought to be, and we're going to go to great, Lord, lift me up to higher ground. If that's going to happen, we've got to stop being satisfied with just doing what's good as opposed to what's bad. And we've got to say, no, God, if you'll show me, I'll set aside those things that everybody would say is allowable, that I might focus my energies on that which brings about everything you have for me. Because what we are doing here, Mary, is a holy enterprise. And what we're doing is a holy enterprise that's worthy of our character. We should all be like Joseph. And having the self-control to set aside that which is good for that which is best. So what? Oh, Andy, you pulled some sneaky ones this morning. You made some assumptions about Joseph, and you did it end around here, and you went over here and didn't hear that one before. What am I supposed to do with this? Here's your so what. In a world of rash decisions and fleshly reactions, respond with measured scriptural contemplation. Number two, your second so what. Amidst tendencies of retribution and revenge, find ways to show heartfelt compassion. Number three, in a culture that is marked by cowardice and self-preservation, resolve to follow God's will with courage. Number four, when others make excuses and justify their sin, look to the Savior demonstrating real contrition. And number five, When so many seek only to satisfy and gratify self, lay aside the good for the best and live with character. We'll sum it up this way. Wrong button. Our ultimate goal is to be like Jesus. But as we endeavor to hit that high mark, a good start is to strive to be like Joseph.